uh, we're gonna we're gonna get started here. Uh, if you're just arriving and wondering who the strange guy up front is, my name is Joel Turner. Uh, I'm from Canada. Super excited to be with you guys today and have uh, fellowship and community with you. Can I just say it is so awesome to be here in your church, and and like that's your worship. Like, does that happen like more than once a month? It's so good. <laughs> Seriously, that is just so. What? What is? Is this the recording device? Okay, because it's it's ticking and there's a number on it going down. Should I be concerned? No, no, I'm kidding. All right, I just want to know what the strange device is. I, I'm so uh, excited to be with you guys. I was just loving your worship, and I, and I love this area too. Okay, someone said I met with a couple guys over here. We were talking. They told me the name of the area. What is it? Bless you. No, what is it? is it? How do you say it? Lewisham? Okay, I thought you were sneezing. Okay, Lewisham, Lewisham. Okay, all right, Lewisham, got it. I, I, lo- I love this. You guys have uh, just great worship. You're in a great location. I know you know this, but isn't it good to just hear how blessed you are? Seriously, and I haven't known your pastor long, but so far everything has been awesome in the interaction with him and his wife. And I haven't met your other pastor uh, they, they, apparently they told him I was coming and he left. So <laughs> I, I don't think the two are connected, but I'm starting to wonder. But anyway, uh, but we, uh, yeah, we did a conference down in California and um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, just, he did an amazing job at the conference in California. And if you, if you want, go online and, and listen to his message. It was, it was great and, and well, really well received. We kind of had a, um, a bit of a funny uh, setup when we got to California. These guys arrive um, before my wife and I, and so I got an email from the administrative people looking after, and it's a huge pastor's conference in California. I don't know how many. I know that, they, that it's viewed on, it's live streamed and archived to thousands and thousands of people, so it's, uh, it's quite an honor and privilege to go. I'm just gonna keep boosting him, but anyway. Um, we, I got this email saying, you're roommating with um, Ephraim Buckle and his wife. And of course, I don't know. I'm like, roommating? What a, like, you couldn't afford a hotel for both couples? But anyway, <laughs> they're like, you're in a condo slash flat slash whatever you guys call it. But anyway, uh, and so, and they said, oh, and by the way, uh, you guys, since your flight doesn't get in till 11, if you could try to be quiet, because Ilias is in the main living room of this flat. And I'm thinking, oh, Ilias must be their child. They have, <laughs> they have a baby named Ilias. And so our flight got delayed. So we got in at like 1 a.m. in the morning. And so you got to picture this. It's pitch black. We got this key, and it's like we're creeping into this apartment because we don't want to wake their child, baby Ilias. <laughs> and so as we come in, and all of a sudden this this... Pakistani man comes towards uh, this old guy. He's not a baby at all. He's like, hello, how are you? I'm like, ah! I was like, ah! And I did what any good godly man did, and I threw my wife at him. Get him! Do something! Ah! Ah! Okay. And, and so, and she attacked him. No, it, but it turns out it's a pastor from another church in, in London here, Calvary Chapel, Norbury. And I'm going to speak there after as sort of a um, redemption thing, really, to make up for the Jackie Chan meets K.P. Johanna moment we had in the living room. But anyway, anyway, it was, it was just great. These guys were so loving. 
and, and reached out to us and, and we got talking and I said, you know what, I'm coming to England and I could come early. I'd love to just see your church and fellowship with you guys and uh, it's just great. And can I, can I just do one more thing about your pastor? I know we're, we're not respecter of persons. All glory goes to God, amen? But can I say, we respect person, people what they do for the Lord. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the difference. We don't, uh, we don't uh, aspire anybody. We aspire Jesus, but we do respect what people do in the ministry. And so I respected that um, last night I got in and uh, I was on a flight next to a, uh, he wasn't officially a WWF wrestler, but he may as well have been. He should have paid for two seats. He was this massive guy. And so I felt like... Um, Mr. Bean next to the Michelin man against the glass like this the whole flight and so I got off the flight walking the same way like this I got back to my apartment I'm like oh thank you Jesus uh, I, all I want to do is sleep right now and keep in mind it's seven hour time difference okay so everything you see today is the Holy Spirit fumes and Costa coffee okay <laughs> and if that doesn't work for you I understand if you have to leave at some point you're like he's too wired okay but uh yeah, literally, I got to the apartment or the, the place I'm staying last night, and I was like, put my head on the pillow. I'm like, thank you, Lord, you know, and uh, I fell asleep, and then an hour and a half later, I hear this splashing sound in my room, and I look up, and in my room, the heavens have opened, <laughs> and the roof is open, and rain is pouring down into my room and on my clothes. There was a hole in the ceiling. And uh, so I slept about an hour and a half. So like I say, you know, one of two things will happen. I'll just be so wired, I'll not shut up until someone drags me off here today. Or in about 10 minutes, I'll just pass out. We don't know. So, so why don't we pray for one of those two options? If you got a Bible, if you got a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And let's read God's word together. This is what it says. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would come and be our teacher. That's my desire, Lord, as we always and often pray, Lord, that we would get out of the way and that you, Holy Spirit, would come and do what only you can do, and that is illuminate your word and, and inspire us and convict us and change us into action for your glory and your kingdom's sake. And we ask all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, in America, they have the NFL. You know this? In football, in England, football, of course, is not. It's the Premier League. I know I grew up here for a few years as well. Uh, in Canada, we have the CFL, Canadian Football League. It's basically like the uh, NFL without all the great players. That's, that's basically all the rejects of the NFL go, let's go to Canada and become famous. So anyway, but it's still a big deal. There's only like, uh, I think there's 10 teams in Canada. And so they're a big deal in your city. You have your hockey team and you have your football team. And anyway, the one in our city, we have one in Calgary, where I'm from, uh, is the Calgary Stampeders. And the one up the road from them, their rival city, is the Edmonton Eskimos. They're really big teams. And so just kind of keep that in mind. Canada's population is half the size of England, 
But uh, the CFL teams are they're, they're the famous big name guys. Well, anyway, we reach a lot of young adults and we're right next to Olympic Park in our city. So we have a lot of people that are on like Canadian Olympic teams. And so they know athletes and, and so athletes often come to the church. Well, one, one year, a few years ago, one week, a few years ago, uh, this girl who's an Olympic skater for Canada, she came up to me, this was uh, maybe three years ago, she came up, she said, Pastor Joel, um, I am, I'm bringing my boyfriend's brother to church today. And I said, oh, awesome, who is he? She said, he's Nate Kuhorn of the CFL team, the Edmonton Eskimos. I'm like, that's great. I hope he enjoys this service. What else are you going to say, right? And uh, she goes, yeah, but just keep in mind, he doesn't want to come to church, and he's kind of messed up right now, but his brother, his brother obviously is coming back. to. Now, I led his brother to the Lord, but his brother told me that, that Nate was just so far from God and angry. And so now I've got this built up. I'm thinking, great, i got to preach. And she calls me. It's right before the service. This guy's coming to the church service. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, this is how it is. And, you know, sometimes as a pastor, we get the best view. We can see everyone in here, right? We, we see the guy that is texting, and he should be looking at his Bible. And, and we see the guy that's pretending he's not nodding off, and we know he is. And we, we see it all, right? We just we see it all. You know, the guy that thinks he slips in and no one saw him? No, we did. We saw you. Come on time next week. Anyway, and, you know, so I'm just saying. All right. Well, this guy, he comes into the back of the service, you know, kind of towards the end of worship. And I'm not kidding. He, first of all, he's a mountain of a man. Like, he's just a giant. He walks in the back of the service like this. And during worship, while everybody's, like, doing this or, you know, just, like, into it, he does this. Like, you know, kind of red. If I could summarize the expression, I'd say, I'm going to kill you after the service. That's the look I got from this guy. I was like, okay, so I just kind of preached my heart out, and afterwards I thought, you know what, what have I got to lose? There's no hell too. If this guy doesn't come to Jesus, what are his options? If there's nothing better than what we have, amen? So I'm like, I got, I got to go for it, and if I die, I die, you know? And so I go up to him after church, and kind of as he's bolting for the door like this, I just kind of step in front of him, and I was like, dude, you're in my seat. No, I didn't say that. No. I, I said, hey, man, great to see you here. Want to grab a coffee sometime? Well, I'm thinking, you know, this is a quick no, leave me alone, and then maybe one of those, or, you know, because he just looked angry. He's like, why would I want to grab a coffee with you? I'm not joking. That's what he said. And I'm like, ah, oh, just to connect. And he's like, okay, let's grab a coffee. I was like, he said yes. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I didn't tell my wife that. I was like, yeah, it went just like I thought it would. No, but anyway. So, um, it, so I book a coffee, and I invite this guy to come to our church office. Now, uh, the administrative assistant, the lady that um, answers our calls at the office, I said, look, this guy, Nate Kuhorn's coming in. I'm going to invite him into my office. I'm going to share the gospel with him. But if you hear a loud, girlish scream, come from the office if he's pounding on me and you hear ah, like this just call the cops <laughs> i seriously did she tells this story more than me and so i said look if you hear me just getting wailed on just call the cops or something and so he comes in and he sits down like this and he's like what do you want to talk about no joke that's how it was and i just prayed up tons for this and i said well listen man i want to share uh, the gospel, like the message of my life with you. And so I share the story about my salvation, meeting Jesus, 
And it's just like, you know, he's like this the whole time. And I, you know, you know, sometimes you're sharing the gospel, you think, is this working? You know what I'm talking about? And, and then um, at the very end, I just asked him, I said, where are you at with God? He went like this, he put his arms by his side, and, and tears started rolling down his face. And he says, well, I guess I'm angry at God. And I said, I could just sense the Holy Spirit moving on this guy's heart. And I began to just lead him through the gospel and pray with him. And he got saved right there. Now, if, if you want to go look him up, Nate Kuhorn, every newspaper ad after that, he gave glory to God for every game, for every victory, for every touchdown. He goes, I'm just an ambassador for Jesus Christ. He's got the biggest smile. He's got the joy of the Lord. All he does is share Jesus. I mean, he's like, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for his glory. His first newspaper article came out. I'm like a proud dad now, you know what I mean? Even though, obviously, I'm way too young to be his father, but thanks for noticing that. But <laughs> you're like, no, you're not. Yes, I am. But anyway, but it, his life turned around. And why do I bring this up? Here's why. What if I never opened my mouth, church? What if I never said anything? What if I didn't lift up Jesus? Jesus said the promise of scripture is, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. I think sometimes the onus we think sometimes is on us. I got to have the great words, the zinger line, and do the drawing myself. No, 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 no. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And, and the problem so often is we're not lifting Jesus up. We're chickening out. And that's what I want to talk about today is boldness for the gospel. Boldness for Jesus and opening your mouth and sharing Jesus with other people. You know, the danger of the modern church is both, I believe, complacency. If you got a pen, jot this down, or on your notes, on your phone, you can jot it down. I won't blame you for texting. Is both complacency and compartmentalizing. What do you mean? Hear me now. We get complacency or complacent thinking. We kind of go, hey, I'm saved, so now I just live my life. Other people will do the sharing. That's what we have pastors for. That's what we have evangelists for. And we get complacent. And we, and we slip into this thinking that says, hey, we're saved to sit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Man, now I'm saved. I just sit. That's not, nowhere in the gospel. It's nowhere in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it's we're saved to be sent. We are saved to be sent. You don't go on missions. You are on mission, church. This is the mission right now. We're in it. And I think the great opposition the enemy puts on us is, hey, man, you got your ticket to heaven. Enjoy the ride. I think the enemy works on that because it's like, you know what? Hey, you're safe. Safe. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. You're sent. You're commissioned. You are on mission. Everywhere the disciples went, they shared about Jesus. It wasn't like, oh, where's Peter and John? They're the loud ones. <laughs> I don't share. Sorry. Peter, John, talk to this guy. No, no, no. All of them. Everywhere they went, shared Jesus. The second danger of the modern church in the area of evangelism, I believe, is compartmentalizing. Do you guys have bento here? Do you know bento? And do they do the same thing like we do at our bento in Canada? It's like you get your meal and it's like in compartment, you know the box is compartmentalized? I, I love how like 80% of you are getting and some of you are like, what is this bento you speak of? Okay, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Anyway, it's this plate that comes compartmentalized, and, and, and some, people, some people are bento Christians. They got everything compartmentalized in their life. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? 
And, and maybe that's some of you in here. You're like, well, this is my church box. This is my church time. And then over here is my work time. And then I got my fitness time and my family time. And they've got it all compartmentalized. And Christians face this danger of putting Jesus in the Jesus compartment. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, hey, it's Sunday. Where's that? Oh, that's the Jesus compartment. It's supposed to be more like stew. You guys eat stew? It's all mixed in together. Or Cornish pasty. Okay, I googled that. Did I say that right or wrong? You're like, wrong area of the country, pal. You should have said London... Okay, we have nothing in London. <laughs> Bangers, beans, and mash. Anyway, all right. Just trying to connect. Fish and chips does not help me because that's compartmentalized. Anyway. It's supposed to be like stew where it's all mixed in, to, in together. You take Jesus with you to work. You take Jesus in your family, into your hobbies, in your sports. Because look, if he's not Lord of your work, then work trumps, money trumps. And I promise you, no good man gets to the end of his life and says, man, I wish I'd just work more. No guy does that at the end of his life, gathers the kids around and go, you know what, I'm sorry kids, I should have worked more. Right? This is, you know, friends, we gotta get the right perspective. This life's not the main event, amen? And we have to remember that. Sometimes we're just so busy working, thinking, oh, yeah, I got to do this. I got a bigger house. I got a bigger and the next and the next and the next. 80 years from now, you're not here. So on your little mission you've got about, well, I've got to build, take care of this and take care of Don't get me wrong. Work hard. But this isn't the main event. Work building the kingdom. That's the thing you're going to reap forever. Right? This life, the Bible says, is just a breath. Then it's gone. And eternity is like all the way around this room in comparison to the size of your life. And so he's supposed to be Lord over all, and listen, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. When it comes to this thing called sharing the gospel, we have to get serious about this. Now, Acts 3 and 4 detail the church's earliest efforts in evangelism as the disciples begin getting out the good news post or after Pentecost. After a man's been healed, Peter boldly proclaims the gospel in the city, and then he and John are arrested for preaching Jesus. Many of you know this story. Now, the next day, the two disciples are called back to answer to the religious leaders for their actions of preaching Jesus. Now, does Peter kind of dial back the boldness in any way? Like, tone it down now, right? No, 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 no. He takes this opportunity with this captive audience and gives her. He's just preaching his heart out, and now what? 5,000 more get saved. I love that, right? They're like, you can't preach to the people. Stand in front of all the people and tell them why you preach to all the people. All right, here comes the gospel again. It's just great. Like, five, altar call, 5,000 hands. And the Pharisees are tripping out like, no, you can't keep doing that. We're going to have nobody left on our side. <laughs> They're like, well, put us out in front of them again. No, we're not doing that anymore. And so he turns it into another outreach. And now in verse 13, you have the reaction of the Jewish leaders. And in these, I believe, we see three things that mark a Christian who is bold in their faith. If you got a pen, jot them down. Every follower of Jesus can grow in boldness by identifying the three characteristics of these guys in this verse. Because this is the thing. A lot of people say, well, that's just not my personality. Nowhere in the Bible is personality linked to evangelism. Did you know that? It never stops and says, and Peter and John and the other A-type apostles 
shared the gospel. It just says they shared the gospel. Here's the three characteristics of a bold person or of growing in evangelism, if you will. Number one, they were bold. Look at verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, friends, please hear me. Boldness is the biblical manner in which God wants the gospel to be given. We are not to develop our own methods based on personality or passion. We're to open our mouths and unapologetically testify to the saving power of Jesus Christ. I believe a lot of our commonly reported frustrations in evangelism, and I would consider myself an evangelist, are rooted in our failure to embrace the biblical method of boldness. Read the book of Acts. Where you see evangelism, you see boldness side by side. The Greek term translated bold or boldly or boldless means candor in the face of opposition. It can also translate freedom of speech. I love that. It should give a candid, clear, free, compassionate, compelling witness of how sins can be forgiven by the one Jesus Christ and how we have experienced that reality personally. The problem I think a lot of today in evangelism is we want the fruit. I don't think any true Christian doesn't want to see the fruit of evangelism. I mean, when's the last time somebody said, hey, I just love my neighbor to the Lord, and you went, oh, I don't know about that. No, 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 you're, you're pumped, right? You're like, ah, oh, that's awesome. We want the fruit, but we don't want the fallout. We don't want the reaction. We don't want the rejection if we're honest. And that's the big thing that people have to overcome, and boldness is the key to this. I mean, if you could just get this one thing today, church, you're like, I come out, and I'm going to boldly share Jesus now. You're, you're going to see amazing things happen. I truly believe that. And, and so we, we want to see people converted, but we don't want to offend people. We want the aroma of life to those who are being saved without being the same aroma of death to those who are perishing like the Bible promises will happen to us. Right? We want, the, we want to produce, but without the persecution that Jesus said. Right? Nobody loves the verse in the Bible in, in Matthew 5 where Jesus goes, blessed are you who are persecuted. We don't like that verse. Come on, let's be honest. You know when you go through the Beatitudes, people are like, oh, I love the Beatitudes. I'm like, which one? They're like, oh, blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, blessed are you when you're, you know, and I'm like, keep going. Because at the bottom it says, blessed are you when you're, yeah, I don't like that one. I don't, you know. whoever says that? I mean, there's no shirt out there, is it? Blessed am I when I'm persecuted. Because we kind of don't like that, but we are living in times where there, there's going to be persecution. But check out our forerunners on this, our examples. Peter and John were in prison. Paul and Stephen were stoned. Jesus himself was crucified. And the gospel flowed through the blood of our descendants. You say, okay, how do I get boldness? Keep your finger here. Jump down to verse 29 of Acts chapter 4. And I believe right here you have a three-part recipe on how to get boldness. Look what it says. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Three ways to get boldness. Number one, seek it. What are they doing? They're praying. You get boldness when you start seeking the Lord. When you start praying, it says, it says, Lord, we, and they start praying and getting into it. And they ask that they would speak the word of God with boldness. So it's a Bible thing to pray for boldness. Amen? It's right in here. And you need to know you can pray for that. The first people that did evangelism ever prayed for boldness. 
right? So we would call that a, a prototype, if you will. A progeny on evangelism is what? The first example in the Bible, they're praying for boldness and they get it. And Paul, even at the end of the armor of God, he prays, grant that I may speak with all boldness. And then I love this part. This is for you. As I ought to speak. It's like he doesn't give you an option of saying, don't speak boldly when you don't feel like it. Because boldness, we're going to see, you can seek it. But number two, number two, you can spirit it. What do you mean? Boldness is not being obnoxious. Boldness is not a fleshly bravado. Like, oh, it's easy for you, Joel. You're outgoing. No, that's not boldness. Boldness is a byproduct of the spirit, right? Boldness is not when you decide to get angry in your evangelism. You're like, I got angry. I took my 15-pound Billy Graham Bible and I hit the guy. That's not boldness, okay? That's foolishness. It's not bravado. It's not obnoxious. It's spirit-filled, the spirit working in you and through you. Now, friends, you can't predict spiritual boldness, but please hear me, you can project it. You can't summon it, but you can spirit it. How do you mean? They prayed, they were filled with the Spirit, and the result was boldness. What's the third one? Third way you get boldness is speak it. Now, this is where the action is. This is, in my mind, one of the top reasons we're not reach, reaching nations for Jesus. You got lots of prayer, lots of Bible studies, but what about Spirit-given boldness that causes you to do what? Open your mouth. This is massive. Friends, I want to say the obvious because I struggle with this like you do. Ready? This is, <laughs> someone put this on Twitter. If you don't open your mouth, nothing comes out. I know, you're like, we brought a simple Canadian today. But anyway, it's simple, but it's that obvious to me. We have all these secret agent Christians that are like, I'm a Christian. Shh, I'm undercover. I just don't tell anybody about it. It's just, you know, me and Jesus thing. My faith is private. Where do you see that in the Bible? There's no private faith in the Bible. You either are living for the Lord or you're doing this sort of FBI Christian. You know what I mean? Give me a break, right? Unless FBI stands for forgot biblical instruction, don't be that person, okay? And you know this, Romans 10, 14 says, how can they believe in Jesus if they haven't heard? And the assumption is what? You have to open your mouth and say something. You want to change your week dramatically this week. This week, the first opportunity you have, don't wait for the right opportunity. Just wait for the right opportunity. Come on, when does that ever work, right? I have a ton of young adults in my church, especially in Gravity Church, right? And, and guys that do that when, with the whole finding a wife, uh, they're like, yeah, I'm just waiting for the right one to come along. I'm like, really? Because all of us that got married, we didn't wait. We like heard from God, but more we were like, she's cute, and we went after it. I'm just saying. I'm just being all, I'm just saying what every good godly man knows to be. Come on, can I get an amen? Come on. You're like, I'm just waiting for the, because she's not looking for a guy that's sitting there like this. Just waiting. No, because every girl goes, oh, that's what I'm after. No. Come on. And it's the same with the gospel. You want to change your week dramatically? First person, first opportunity where you get that nudge in your heart, open your mouth and share Jesus. Oh, but Joel, they might reject me. Yeah, you know what? Can I just say this? I don't know of a single example of a bad gospel sharing moment in my life. I, was, I worked at a gym. I thought you could tell that. But anyway, um, 
nobody amened on that one, right? You're like, you're like, what? As what, the janitor? Yes, okay, I was the janitor. No, I worked on the front desk of a gym, and I thought, you know, I was a new Christian when I got saved, and I just, this guy came in, and I thought, he needs Jesus, and I start sharing the gospel with this guy, and he used every single word in his vocabulary to tell me where I could shove my whole gospel, and I was like demoralized and crushed, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do that again. That went so bad, Lord. Two years later, this man came back into the gym to find me. He said, two years ago, you shared Jesus with me and I told you where to go? I'm like, oh, you don't need to remind me. <laughs> I didn't forget your face. He's like, I gave my life to Jesus. And your words had a great effect on me because everyone else is scared of me. Remember, guys, it's not, oh, how great you are. It's just when you use the life that you have to share Jesus and the people in your world, stuff happens. Seeds are planted. Churches just grow. Things happen. All right, so boldness is number one. Number two, what do we notice in Acts 4.13 about these guys? They were bold, number one. Number two, they were benighted. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? Is that even a word? Look at the passage, Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Okay, I have to admit it. My church knows it's a huge temptation for me when I get two points with the same letter. Okay, I don't know if your pastor struggles with this. I have to have the third point have the same letter also. Okay, so I got, does that ever happen to you? Okay, so I got boldness. I got boldness in this verse. I've also got been with Jesus. So point two, here it is. They were benighted. You say, where do you get that from? Look, uneducated and untrained means what in the original? Benighted. It's a word that means uneducated and ordinary. So there you go. Use that in a conversation with your wife this week, all right? Honey, sometimes you make me feel so benighted. Okay, all right. Just saying, pray about it. But truly, the religious guys of the day are looking at these guys going, they are so dumb. How is this boldness possible? And now we know what they meant. These guys didn't have rabbinical training. That's what they meant. They don't qualify to say what they're saying. And I love this. This and the word untrained, according to R.J. Utley, is the term idiotes. Where we get our word? Idiots. Idiots. This is my life verse right here. I'm like, this is my first, Lord. I qualify. God didn't choose superstars or superhumans, amen? He chose you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't feeling encouraged until I came to church. Anyway, he chose me. He chose ordinary guys like Gideon, who's like, oh, you must have got the wrong guy. I don't qualify. I'm the worst in my tribe. Yep, that's who I got. You are my guy. David, Joseph. He didn't say, well, get a degree and then serve me. Nothing wrong if you feel called to get a degree, but don't miss this in this verse. God takes simple people. God is looking for availability, amen, not ability. He just wants available. Are you available? Great, we'll put you in. And, and praise God, but listen, this is, this is my life first. This is how I got into the ministry. A number of years ago, um, I was running a comedy club in Western Canada, and I have about 20 comedians work for me. I don't know if you've ever seen the show in England. Not that I'm supporting this show, but whose line is it anyway? Yeah. We, we have an American version, and two of the guys from there, Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles, were from VTSL, Vancouver Theater Sport League, which I was in. So they were like my gurus and mentors. And so when I was 19, I left home, 
and I went to like this area in Canada which had good comedy and I opened a comedy club and it went really well. And I was dating a Mormon girl at the time and, and we were going to get married. I wasn't a Christian. And, and so I thought we're getting married and then all of a sudden she dumped me. Oh, come on guys. That's hard. Wow. Ouch. If I come back here, I'm going to teach on compassion now. Come on. You're like, get over it. It was 20 years ago. Okay. <laughs> Whew. All right. We'll start loving and then sharing Jesus. No. But, yeah. <laughs> I could, anyway, she broke up with me. And you know what I did? I, I rebounded. I called this girl. I'm like, hey, we should go out. And I'm just telling you, honestly, I'm not glorifying it. I glorify the Lord. But she, I, I thought, let's go clubbing. And she says to me, I'm going to this thing tonight called Refiner's Fire. And I was like, I don't remember that club. <laughs> and then I said to her, that's not a church, is it? Just like that. And she goes, yeah, it is, but it's really cool. Many of you fell for that when you got saved. You're like, I'm like, okay. She's like, yeah, there's like 250 young adults. You got to come. You'll love it. So I went and I sat in the back. I was a DJ for the radio station in town. And uh, I had a TV show called Around Kelowna with Joel. And I was running this comedy club. And in the world's eyes, I was doing pretty good, making a lot of money. And I sat at the back of the thing, and I just remember thinking, I don't want anyone to recognize me. Wow. Because <laughs> you're so special. And all of a sudden, the pastor gets up on stage, and no joke, he goes, hey, Joel Turner's with you. And all 250 eyes turned up. I went, put my sunglasses and slumped. And afterwards, he took me out for uh, breakfast the next day and shared the gospel and led me to Christ. I walked back into my comedy club. I gathered all 20 comedians. I said, listen up. I'm the director. I said, I just gave my life to Jesus. We should all get saved right now. <laughs> I could write a book on how to kill a comedy club in three months. I changed the price from $18 to $3. Took out all the drinking, smoking, swearing, alcohol. We just went all clean. And half of the comedians left right away. They quit on me. Half of the half stuck around just to see what would happen to their, their crazy Christian director. Because I was teaching them near swears. So that we could keep performing with all these non-Christians. It was nuts. Oh, the grace of God. And then the half of the half got saved. And all of a sudden, what happened was the largest Baptist church in Canada, Trinity Baptist, was across the road from my comedy club. Well, the youth start hearing that, and we're talking 400 youth. They start hearing that the guy running the comedy club gave his life to Jesus. So where do all the youth go? To the comedy club. And where are they not going anymore? To youth group. So people go, how'd you get into the ministry? This is my verse. I'm benighted. Do you know how? Because the youth pastor of these 400 youth came across the road and said, all my youth are going to a comedy club and they're supposed to be at church. So if you can't beat them, hire him. He made me his assistant pastor. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Anyway, that's how I got into the ministry. Just a fool for Christ. And that's, guys, what it is like for Peter and John right here. They were just fishermen. That's all they knew was how to fish. The Bible never sort of brags on these guys. They're just a, a, like a power tool in the hand of God. Do you, you hear me? That's all you and I are. You're just a tool <laughs> in the hand of God. So you got to finish that sentence. You're like, I'm waiting for the encouragement. <laughs> sometimes I need to be reminded of that, don't you? Because, I mean, sometimes I think, man, I got this. And other times it's like, it's like everything is crashing around me. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
And you think, does anyone see this? And there's a real ebb and flow in life, isn't there? Sometimes you're on the coaster, roller coaster of life, and you're like, hands in the air, praising Jesus, whoa, enjoying the ride. And the next thing, the ride's coming down, you're like, ah, and you're throwing up or something. And that's how it is in life. But it's good and it's healthy. Why? Because it reminds you it's not about you. And some of us need to remember where we came from. You're not God's answer. You're God's option. <laughs> when everyone else said, no way I'm going to open my mouth and share Jesus, you foolishly said, sign me up. This week, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. Scripture says, see your calling. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble, but God's chosen the foolish things of the world. That's you and me to confound the wise. God loves to back the weak. God loves to back those who are ready to give the glory to God. God loves to back those who are ready to just open their mouths and be available. Please remember that. These guys were bold because they made it about Jesus and his ability. And then here's the third thing. So they were bold, they were benighted, and finally they'd been with Jesus. Now watch this now. They marveled, verse 13, and they realized they had been with Jesus. Please hear me now. If you got a pen, circle this in your Bible or jot it down. Success in life is found in these five words. They had been with Jesus. Let's just get real for a second. How's your time with Jesus lately? How is your relationship with Jesus? I mean, we can get so sort of high and high-minded and so like, you know, we love to get into like some of us, some of you in the room perhaps, you're like those people who are like, it's the depth of the theology and the hermeneutic of the, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How's your time with Jesus? Right? You're like, no, I read this book on the existential realities of creationism in the modern context. How is your time with Jesus? Do you know what I'm talking about? I have people that come up to the front of church after services, and they always have some label they want to test me on. Pastor, are you Arminianist? Ick, ick. I'm like, what? And they're like, are you Calvinistic? Are you? I'm like, I'm a Jesusist. I don't think the disciple, I'm not dissing those beliefs. If that's you right now, someone's like, oh, now you are. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Look, I'm just saying, ask the disciples who they were. They didn't know who Calvin was. He hadn't been invented yet. So why do we get so bent on, oh, you got to believe this or you got to believe that? I'm not saying you shouldn't have beliefs. But when you boil it down, it's about Jesus. Amen? I'm a Jesusist. I know that's not even a word, but listen, <laughs> I'm an idiotess, <laughs> benighted. <laughs> hey, listen, for, look, looking for the nugget that will change your marriage, your church, your, your walk with the Lord, your evangelism, your parenting, your dating. Listen, here's the nugget, ready? Have you been with Jesus? That's it. I don't have anything bigger than that. Of all the requirements for being in the ministry, for being in marriage, for being a parent, for being a student for the glory of God, there is nothing greater than asking the question, have you been with Jesus? Friends, you will never be greater than your prayer life. Please jot it down. You cannot be greater than your prayer life. You cannot be greater than your time in the word with Jesus. Do you hear, do you hear me? 
And we have to just get this back to the basics. Picture a tablecloth over a table with candles and a nicely set up table. And, and, and Jesus is there in a tuxedo. And, and he, every morning he waits for you at this table. Smile on his face. Grace of God. Just excited. And there's a place set right here for you every morning. And some of you think of devotions, right? And, and you've made it into devotions instead of making it about devotion. And, and so you miss the fact that it's a relationship. You're like, well, I have this Bible reading plan, and I don't know, I have to do this many verses, and da da da. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Are you like that with your spouse? You're like, sit down, da, 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 go through the list. Hey, off you go, I'm done. 45 minutes. No. No, if you want to do well, you date your wife, right? You don't take her out for dinner. Four more questions. I'm going to highlight what you said. No, no, no. Just spend time, right? But every morning that you don't come, is, some of you, you think Jesus is condemning. You're like, oh, you didn't come. No, he's just like, okay, tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow they'll come. I love them. I gave my life for them. I just want relationship with them. Have you been with Jesus? I'm going to close with this story. Two years ago, I was at the same conference that uh, Pastor Ephraim and I were at recently in California. And my wife and I were so pumped because it is on the, uh, it's close to the, uh, how do you call it? Ocean. Yeah, we don't have that where we live. And uh, we are landlocked in Alberta. And so we're like, we got to go to the ocean. So we go to the ocean, we go to this restaurant, we, we, we ask around and people are like, there's this restaurant that's on the rooftop and it overlooks the water. It's amazing. You got to go. So we climb up this restaurant and there it is. And there's not a single seat available in the whole restaurant. And I'm like, God, oh, come on. All these people are from California. It's so unfair. Because <laughs> I'm like, I just want to look at the ocean with my wife and have a meal, right? And so you find yourself praying some angry prayers. You're like, Lord, remove that table over there. Table seven. <laughs> Jesus' name right now. Let him get a cold or something. I don't, <laughs> don't really matter. Just give. And it wasn't happening. And I was just tired from the conference. I'm just being honest. I was tired. I was like not in the mood. I'm like, God, can I just get a table with my wife? And, <laughs> and we had the flight to catch. So we don't have a lot of time. That's true. And we're like... And, and then all of a sudden, this guy sitting at this table on his own, he goes, hey, where are you guys from? Like, from Canada. Oh, Canada, that, you know, and, and he starts talking to me, and I'm just not in the grave, and I'm tired, and I'm like, I just want a table, and, he, and, he, and, and I'm just being honest with you, and then he starts striking up conversation. He goes, you looking for someone? No, we're looking for a table. Are you leaving? No, you know, <laughs> here's $5. No, and he goes, why don't you come sit with me? And I'm thinking, how do I can't sit with me? I don't want to sit with you. I want to sit with my wife. But I sat down with this guy, and he starts asking, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, we're at a pastor's. Oh, you're one of those, are you? And all, he just backs up. And, but all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, open your mouth. Share Jesus. What, what's the worst that's going to happen? <laughs> you know? So I start sharing Jesus with him. Oh, and he is way smarter than me. He had all these reasons and diagrams and, well, here's why. And look at all the religions and blah, 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 blah. And he was going on and on and on. And at first, I was just like, oh, I'm too tired for this. I, uh, uh. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to give me some things for this guy. 
And we, I started saying, oh, really? If that's, if that's the case, then... And do you know, have you had this where you're sharing Jesus and, and what you're saying is like way better than what you normally would say? Have you had that? And you're like, all of a sudden you, you forget that it's the Lord and you're like, wow. I got this. Right? And I mean, zingers are coming out. I'm like, I should write that down. You, you know what I'm talking about? And this guy's getting rocked. And I'm like, wow, take that, smarty pants. And, and then all of a sudden, he's just like all defensive, and he doesn't want to talk. And then his girlfriend shows up. And she shows up, and she sits down, and he goes to the bathroom. He didn't need to go to the bathroom. He's just like, I'm losing, right? And so, well, we start talking to the girlfriend, and, and, uh, and my wife starts pouring in to the girlfriend. He comes back to the table. And like a minute later, I look over, the girl is crying her eyes out. My wife has her arm around her and is just pouring in. And I'm thinking, man, I got to get my game going here. She's way ahead of me. You know what I mean? So I start preaching faster to this guy. (laughs) And sure enough, at a certain point, he takes his sunglasses and he goes like this because tears start coming. And guys, it was just the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm trying to get at. Oh, if, if I didn't decide to open my mouth and I prayed with this guy to receive Jesus at the same time that my wife prayed with this other girl. He gave his life to Christ. God's not looking for superstars. He's looking for you just to take your context and share Jesus with your friends. I had a doctor once, a surgeon in my church. He came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Joel, I need to get you to come to my workplace. There's like 12 surgeons that meet I'm the lead speaker at this thing. Can you come and somehow share Jesus with all these surgeons? I said, why? Who would Jesus best use to reach a bunch of surgeons? Uh, Ex-washed-up comedian evangelist? Or a surgeon? And he's like, that's a good point. And he went back in and as a surgeon reached surgeons. I can't reach the people in your workplaces and your pastor's not the best one to do it. It's you. God's chosen you. Just to naturally, supernaturally allow him, open your mouth and watch the fruit of what will happen this week. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would birth opportunities for the gospel all over this city. Based on these people, Lord, you never took massive numbers to reach massive numbers. You took a few. You took those who were available. And through the empowering of your Holy Spirit and the boldness, those who had been with Jesus shared. And you did amazing things. And we ask for that in and through this church this week for your glory. And in Jesus' name, amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.